We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the 40, uh, part of the USA Today sports media group, that is. Chris Biederman will join me shortly. He is the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. Before we get into our discussion about something Kyle Shanahan said in his Monday conference call that, that Chris and I want to dive into a little bit, Kyle Juszczyk, 49ers fullback, stopped by the podcast to talk about the Sports Matter Giving Truck. It's the fourth tour of the Sports Matter Giving Truck. The first three tours took place over the last year. They gave out sports equipment to a bunch of different organizations all around the country. A really cool thing that Kyle Juszczyk's involved in. Uh, In total this season, the Dick Sporting Goods Foundation will have handed out over 45,000 gifts of sports equipment through the uh, Sports Matter Giving Truck program. So super cool thing. Uh, Talk to him about that. Talk to him about some of the stuff going on with the 49ers this season and had some good stuff to say about Trey Sermon that, that left me a little bit more optimistic uh, about the rookie running back. So Kyle, you will be first. And then Chris and I will dive into our thoughts on Kyle Shanahan's Monday conference call. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. has got him and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. All right, we got Kyle Juszczyk, fullback of the San Francisco 49ers, joining us on the line right now. Five-time Pro Bowl fullback. Kyle, wouldn't when you were at Harvard and you were playing tight end, did did it ever pop into your head that hey, maybe I'll be a, uh, a multiple time Pro Bowler at at a completely different position in the NFL? <laughs> uh, well, first off, it's good to talk to you, Chris. But uh, no, that is not where my head was at. It, it's funny. Um, I I learned midway through my college career that a uh, an NFL practice squad existed, and when I found that out, I. I thought to myself, wow, man, I, I feel like I could, I could definitely make the practice squad. That'd be cool. Um, so uh, I didn't the, – the thought of being a five-time pro bowler uh, was not in my head. I was just focused on – I wanted to make the team. 
and uh, in any way possible, even if that was just being on the P squad. So my goals were not as high as um, you know what reality has turned out to be. <laughs> well, not not to gas you up too much, but there are very few players I think in the NFL that that have a strong acclaim to be the best at their position. Um, than you do. And, and I'm wondering if you ever like puff your chest up about that. You ever like, you know, like make a play and then yell at somebody on the best fullback in the league or, or if there's anything like that going on in your head. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Um, I, I try, I, I always try to stay humble and, um, I definitely do get excited at, at times in the game and, uh, say some things that I wouldn't normally, uh, but I, I try to stay away from that one, and I do respect that there are um, there are other good fullbacks out there in the league. Uh, but at the same time, I do believe that I'm the best, and uh, that definitely gives me confidence uh, every day and, and rolling into games and, and knowing that I am the best in my position. And that's no disrespect to the other guys, uh, but that's just how I feel, and I feel like I've performed that way, uh, and I've showed it on the field. Well, so you guys are three and five, obviously not where you wanted to be. And, and there have been uh, quite a few disappointing losses here recently. I, I'm just curious, like, what's the state of the locker room right now? Because, you know, as as a media member who covers a team, we haven't been allowed in the locker room because of the pandemic. So it's it's harder for us to, to check the temperature with you guys. So I'll just ask you straight up, like, what's what's it like in the locker room right now? And, and how are you guys dealing with with maybe not playing up to the expectation that you hold for yourself. Yeah, there was definitely um, a huge feeling of disappointment after last week's game, and um, almost a, I feel like we were we we're all a little shocked at our performance because we felt like we really had such an awesome week of practice last week, and we all came into the locker room on Sunday, and you could just feel there was great vibes uh, in pregame, and we truly felt like we were just going to go out there and dominate, and then when we didn't. Um, we were all a little, you know, shocked at our performance and disappointed in, in how we went out there and played. And um, we were definitely, you know, upset after the game. Uh, but now that we've had, you know, a, a day or so to, um, you know, kind of talk it through with uh, each other and, you know, let those emotions out, uh, we feel like we're putting together a good plan right now about how we're going to attack this next week and how we're going to do things differently. Um, and it, it really, it always feels so much better when um, you can get to back together with all the guys and collectively talk about things and, and put together a plan. Um, and it really helps going forward. It, it's tough when, you know, you go home after a game and you just watch the tape by yourself and um, there's no one to really bounce, you know, ideas off of and you're not around the guys that you just went through it with. And so once you're able to do that, you start to feel better and uh, throughout the week, your confidence builds and builds until you're feeling really good for the next game. Yeah, you, you mentioned it's surprising. I mean, you guys have dealt with adversity before, but usually like that adversity came in the form of injuries where like, all right, you didn't have Jimmy. It was understandable why you might struggle for a season. You know, last year, obviously, you lose so many guys um, be, during the pandemic season in 2020. Like how... How surprising is it that, you know, injuries aren't really the excuse here and, and you guys have most of your uh, most of your key guys for most of the year and, and it's just you guys aren't aren't playing at that level that you expected to play at? Yeah, it's, it just hasn't been up to our standard and uh, it hasn't been just one thing um, or it hasn't been everything in each game. It's, you know, each game something different has kind of popped up, whether... You know, in one game, it's, it's turnovers. Another, it's, it's penalties. Another, 
it's just mixed a uh, missed execution and, and our blocking or tackling or drop passes. You know, it's just something has reared its head um, in each game that is that we haven't been able to overcome, and um, that's that's on us to overcome those things. A good team will overcome those circumstances when they when they show up, and that it's just something that we have to work at and be more consistent and. You know, when those things come up, we can't be shocked by it, and um, you know, let us set, let that set us back and uh, hold us from you know making a play on the next uh, the next play. You really just have to understand, like this is football. All of those things are going to happen in a game, even to the good teams. It's really just about how you respond, and so that's how I feel like we need to just work uh, on our response to those negative things and being able to overcome them. Has it been weird at all with the the quarterback situation being what it is now with a new guy in there, Trey Lance, and, and, you know, in there to potentially replace Jimmy long-term? And and how do you think Jimmy's handled all that? Yeah, I I can genuinely tell you that it it has not been weird. It has not been awkward at all. Um, Both of those guys have, they have genuinely handled it so well. And I think having Trey here really has motivated Jimmy uh, and pushed him harder, uh, you know, as a leader uh, and his, how hard he works and just um, how dialed in he has been. Um, so I think they've both been good for each other. I think um, Trey has been able to learn um, from, you know, the veteran leadership of Jimmy. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it really there has, there's been no awkwardness in the whole situation. They both handled it very well, um, and I think they're both better, um, better themselves because of it. So uh, Elijah Mitchell um... – He's somebody who's obviously a six-round pick, flown under the radar, uh, I guess, for just about the entire NFL leading into the draft, given the way he's played so far this year. Was there a point during the off-season program or, or training camp where, um, you know, just being in the room with him and being on the practice field with him, that something clicked in your mind? You're like, wow, this this guy could be like a, a pretty special player as a rookie? Yeah, definitely. Um, Elijah has quickly become one of my favorite teammates. He, uh, just the way he goes about his business, um, he's very humble, uh, just puts his nose down, grinds, works his uh, tail off, doesn't matter if, if he's injured or, or you know, just the woes of being a rookie are, are going on. Um, he always puts things on his shoulder. He never blames anybody else. Um, he's always very accountable, and, and it just works really hard. And there was, um, there was a lot of moments in, in training camp and that, uh, you know, I, I we saw some splash plays from him, his ability uh, to just accelerate so quickly. Um, and just, he does things so efficiently. He moves so efficiently. Um, you know, he, he's never really out of control, and he's a very he's very solid. Uh, and he, he runs the ball um, very much, I don't know how you say it, much more solid than you would expect for a guy his size. Um, and, it, you know, you see those things in training camp, and we've seen that from a lot of people before, and you always wonder how it's going to translate into the game. Um, but we were able to see it in that very first game against Detroit, uh, what he was able to do at this level. And, man, I, I'm really excited about uh, the future he has and what his career is going to pan out to be. An- another rookie in your room, obviously, that that's talked about a lot uh, is, is Trey Sermon. And just, you know, the fact that he was a third-round pick who the team traded up for, um, and he's not had much, much of a role yet this season. Just 
what's his what what's his transition been like to to the NFL and and what's what what's going on behind the scenes and with him in your opinion and um what what does he need to do to increase his role going forward? Yeah, you know what? I obviously I think you know Trey is he's disappointed in uh, what his role has been so far, and um, you know he, he expects to get out there more, and I think he will. Uh, but I think what stood out to me right away when Trey got here is, um, you know, that the game really is not too big for him. He, he never had, you know, those wide-eyed rookie eyes, uh, and he was getting reps with the first team right away um, because there were there were times uh, early on in camp that Raheem, um, you know, was resting, and, you know, he didn't need all those reps early on, so Trey was getting a lot of them, and it never seemed like it was too big for him, but I think the biggest thing for Trey is just going to be consistency, and just earning that trust. Uh, and that's everything, you know, all rookies have to go through that. And, um, you know, I've, I've given him the advice uh, that, man, my rookie year, I, I played four snaps on offense. I was strictly a special teams guy. And, um, you know, that wasn't the end of my story. And I, I was, a, you know, a fourth-round pick, not too far off from him. Um, and sometimes it takes a year to figure things out. Um, but... I always trust in him. You just have to put everything into the role that you are given. So if, if that is just special teams, you got to go absolutely, um, you know, 100, 100 miles per hour on full uh, special teams every single play and uh, make that the most important thing in the world to you. And once you show that you can do that, eventually you, you continue to be given more. They keep giving you more responsibility. Uh, eventually you, you build a role um, that you can be happy with. And I feel like that's how my career uh, panned out, and I don't, I don't see why he can't do the same thing. All right, well, man, you've been really generous with your time. Really appreciate you having, uh, really appreciate you coming on with us. This is great stuff. So, tell us about what you're doing with Dick's Sporting Goods Foundation and uh, the Sports Matter Giving Truck. Yeah, so I'm, I'm teaming up with Dick's Sporting Goods Foundation Sports Matter Giving Truck, and uh, I was really excited about this one. As soon as they reached out to me, um, I was fully on board uh, because I have such a soft spot in my heart for youth sports. Uh, and I know what a huge impact uh, it can have on young kids' lives and, and really forming them into the, um, the people that they grow up to be. Because uh, I know my, uh, my youth coaches and uh, youth sports programs really made me the man that I am today. And so uh, the Giving Truck's going to go out on the road and give out um, over 10,000 pieces of sports equipment to youth athletes this holiday season and they're going to be stopping at uh, eight different cities along the, the West Coast. And so I'll be a part of it in that um, we're going to be doing a, a virtual appearance uh, for the kids uh, with some video technology on the giving truck. And I don't want to give away too much, but um, I'll be involved with that. And I'm just really excited about um, what Dick Sporting Goods is doing here and, and giving back to these these kids and really encourage everybody to, to get involved with it. And, um, they can do so at any um, Dick's Sporting Goods stores uh, at the checkout line, or they can go on uh, sportsmatter.org and, and make donations there. And uh, I really encourage it because I, I can attest, um, you know, by myself what a, a difference um, being involved in youth sports can have on your life. All right, man, that's really great. That's awesome to hear. Thank you so much again for coming on, and uh, I'll see you in um, I'll see you in Santa Clara and say hi to Mozzarella for me. Big fan, big fan of the dog on Instagram. Yeah, I definitely will. <laughs>
Thank you. Thanks, Chris. I know right now, as you listen to this post 49ers lost to the Cardinals, that going to a 49er game may not sound like that much fun. I get it. I understand it. But the 49ers next home game is week 10 against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night football. And let me tell you, there's nothing better than being in the stadium. And then they announce that they're going live to ESPN and the Monday night football theme drops. And there's this really unique electricity that kind of like ripples through the crowd and anything can happen on a Monday night. And if the 49ers go in and beat the Rams who they always play tough on Monday night football, Um, it really puts a lot of this Cardinals loss behind them. And you'll want to be in the building for that. And there's no other place that you should be getting your tickets than TickPick.com. It is the single greatest place on the internet to get 49ers tickets. You want to know why? It's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for any and all NFL tickets. So TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge where you find these really cheap tickets and then you go to check out and all the fees and everything wind up being more than your actual tickets. I've experienced that more than once. They've eliminated those. It allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on a different ticket site, TickPick will give you 100% of the difference in the purchase price. I had a couple of buddies hit me up. They wanted to go to a Niners game and they said, Hey, do you have a plug on tickets? No. First of all, like, who do you think I am? I blog about the team and I do a podcast, but I can hook you up this way. I can hook you up with TickPick. TickPick.com slash candlestick. And they went there. They got their tickets. They had a great time at the game. Despite the outcome, they had a great time at Levi Stadium. So you should do the same thing because you want to be in the building for Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm telling you, if you haven't been to a Monday Night Football game, there's no experience like it. It's one of my favorite things to do as a sports fan. You can be there for the best price with tickets from TickPick.com slash Candlestick. Use that link today to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash Candlestick. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. 
a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Kyle Juszczyk's one of those guys that I feel like any team he goes to is just going to be better for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. On the field, off the field. Yeah, he's he's one of the best guys to talk to, um, like both just on and off the record. Like he's somebody that you, that's super approachable and you can just shoot the shit with him if um, if you're in there. And and he's really, uh, you know, helpful and informative and and all of those things. So definitely a pro Kyle use check podcast. I know people talk about paying a fullback, you know, whatever he makes the, the five year, twenty seven million dollar contract. But end. Yeah, I I I definitely look at it as like a, a secondary tight end, and maybe Kyle Uzcheck's the reason why they haven't really invested in a in a second tight end outside of George Kittle, aside from you know drafting guys and Ross Dwelly, who was an undrafted guy. But um, yeah, good dude. That was a uh, a good interview with him. I think. I want to talk about something Kyle Shanahan said on Monday. As much as I could sit here and talk about how great Kyle Juszczyk is for for an hour, Shanahan was asked directly about the second and third round picks in this year's draft class. And it's something that you and I have talked about a lot. And hearing him talk about it made me not, I'm not, I don't want to write off the, the, rookies from the 2021 draft class like they they just you haven't if you haven't played yet in the nfl you can't say that that player is not going to be a successful nfl player like that's just that would be silly but i want to talk a little bit about the philosophy because he says i'm going to start with the cornerbacks because that's the biggest problem and something we've talked about a lot on the podcast he says quote i felt very good about verrett Mosley and K1 as our starting three corners, but we also knew we needed some depth behind them for injury and for going into next year, especially with the one-year deal those guys are on. And we had to start getting some youth in here. And that all tracks. Like, that makes sense. He goes on to say, and when you look at our corners, the third-round pick, the fifth-round pick, we talking about Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore. We weren't bringing any of them here to, we felt, start. We were hoping that they could add some depth and be guys who could play on our team and possibly do that next year. Unfortunately, having some injuries that we had early, we needed them earlier than we thought we would. And unfortunately, they weren't fully ready for it. And yeah, I wish they were. But the third round pick and the fifth round pick, they weren't. And that's why we've gone with veterans instead of them. So my issue, I guess, is what went wrong in the scouting process that they whiffed that badly? And then he says similar thing about Aaron Banks. They thought he would push for the starting job, and he basically isn't. My question now is what's going on in the front office that they're whiffing this badly on plug-and-play guys? So I've thought a lot about this, and I don't know that it's necessarily an issue with the front office. I think it's more on Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff. And I I think it's just an overall lack of trust in the idea of rookies, sort of no matter who they are, because you can go through the entire rookie class and say, all right, you know, this guy doesn't 
have the trust of the coaching staff. And really, you basically have to be Debo Samuel or George Kittle to earn Kyle Shanahan's trust as a rookie, um, which doesn't seem fair. Like, I, I don't think there's a world where you can reconcile playing Josh Norman and Drake Kirkpatrick over two guys that you invested draft picks in. Totally. Because I don't think, you know, like Josh Norman might be better than those guys, like better than Diamador Lenore and Ambry Thomas right now. But you're not you're not in, you're not developing these guys at all. And if anything, you're killing their confidence. Right. Right. And so we talked about it in the pod. The, the last one we recorded after the Cardinals game was like, you need to empower your employees. You need to express confidence in them so they can have confidence in themselves. And in not doing it, they're not going to feel confident when they do go out there. And foot, football is a sport that is all about confidence, like anything else in life, mm-hmm. right? You just need your superiors to believe in you. Otherwise, you are not going to be a productive employee. Absolutely. For the most part. So, like, that to me is the issue is that, you know, Diamador Lenore plays well in the preseason, played well enough to have a role to essentially be the third cornerback week one and week two and then he gives up one touchdown against the eagles and then it's sayonara you're not playing again right or like you have you you may you have one lapse against the packers and you know you're not you're not coming back on the field drake or patrick's now playing over you and that to me is just not the right way to go about it and i think that's being borne out by the way the last few games have gone right like Drake mm-hmm. Kirkpatrick is just not a competitive player. Like, I don't understand what they player. what else they need to see from him to keep him out there at the cost of not so, even developing your rookies. Right. And that's that's kind of where I, I don't we talked a bunch about Drake Kirkpatrick and, and Josh Norman, but that's why I, I bring the front office into the equation because there's obviously some level of disconnect there, right? Because at the front office is making these decisions like Ambry Thomas, 102nd pick, like very close to a top 100 pick, can't get on the field at all. And Diamador Lenore, who looked okay, all of a sudden can't even suit up. Like there's a, I think there's a disconnect between what the front office is seeing with these guys and what Kyle Shanahan's seeing with these guys. And I don't know that there's anybody in the building that can tap Kyle Shanahan on the shoulder and say, Hey, you got to get these guys on the field. Right. The the thing I would say is that Kyle Shanahan basically is the front office, right? Like he's the guy. But, but, pulling with, exactly. That's, that's with kind him. of my point. Right. Like, so he's signing off on all these moves because he's the most important person in that front office, as well as the coaching staff. He's, he's the guy, like he has, all the personnel right. power as much as John, John Lynch is the GM in title. John Lynch works for Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan hired mm. John Lynch. So that's the dynamic here. So Kyle Shanahan is responsible for all of it. He doesn't have anyone to blame for himself. If there is a disconnect in the front office between uh, uh, or surrounding how they evaluate players and then how the coaching staff develops them. Right. So like, to me, I, I look at Corey Unlin. Like what's Corey Undlin doing? The secondary coach, your guy, obviously didn't have a sterling reputation as a defensive coordinator. Might be fine as a secondaries coach. I don't know. The more you dig in and the, and the more you talk to people, the more you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Corey Undlin's really any good. 
He and was the I defensive think, coordinator for like an all-time bad defense in Detroit last year. And it, yeah, and it seems like Kyle Shanahan is giving Corey Unlin autonomy to make these decisions at cornerback in terms of who plays, right? And like, mm-hmm. if you're Corey Unlin and you're trying to keep your job as long as you can, maybe you're not super willing to play rookies if you don't trust them, even though, you know, it, that would ultimately reflect better on him as a coach if these rookies do come in and play well. And that's and that's where Shanahan basically on Sunday and then again on Monday said, I don't know, I didn't want Josh Norman to be taken out of the game, but that's what the coaches did and I support it. Yeah, but it wasn't like, it wasn't clear who made that decision. It, it, but right, but that doesn't jibe with not saying you're wrong. This is this is kind of more what I'm talking about and like what's the what's the hierarchy what's the structure look like because if Kyle Shanahan has carte blanche to say hey you know put draft this guy this guy's going to play this guy's going to suit up why does he not have carte blanche to walk over and say hey put Josh Norman back in right you know and not to I don't I don't think that the difference between Josh Norman and Drake Kirkpatrick is the difference in that that game against Arizona I, I, I the quality of player just isn't isn't there but shouldn't he also then be able to go and say, Hey, play Diamador Lenore, play Embry Thomas, get him reps. Yeah. And I don't think he does because I, he said it, he, he views that as a losing strategy. And that's another kind of macro point. I want to want to talk about is when you talk about Kyle Shanahan as a head coach, like I'm not in the fire Kyle Shanahan camp. That's insane. I just, I think it's way too early for that. And I think citing his record eliminates a lot of necessary context, but I do think that there have been decisions made over his tenure and specifically this year where injuries aren't an excuse anymore, that it's very clear something needs to change with him if they're going to be successful moving forward, because what they're doing now Burn, they they had four picks in the first three rounds and none of them are playing. Right. You can't do that when you don't have a Super Bowl caliber roster at, you know, or, or when you have holes on the roster like they did in the secondary and like they did on the offensive line. Right. You, you should not be playing street free agents when you draft a guys at those positions. I, that That's it. right. And, and I think totally. it's, and, and Kyle Shanahan said it a couple weeks ago, and I thought it was completely nuts when he said it. When he was asked about playing rookies, he basically said he would be giving up on the season if he played the rookies. And even if you believe that, you can't say that because how are you how, how are those guys supposed to hear that and then be confident when they do have to play? Right? And like my why head are coach you drafting just, those players. Well, my head coach just said that if I'm that if I have to play, he's giving up on the season. Like that was it was ridiculous in the moment when he said it, and it's still ridiculous. And it's clear that he still believes that because of his unwillingness to play and develop any of these guys. And it also trickles into the Trey Lance discussion, obviously, because Trey Lance is a rookie who Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust. And maybe, just maybe, Trey Lance would be more trustworthy if he got some playing time and was able to learn and develop from him. Like maybe getting more trustworthy is part of that development, right? That Kyle Shanahan just seems to be punting on right now. So ultimately... He has said players get better by playing. 
Yeah, he said it. And we've seen Trey Sermon, like, have an 89-yard game. Right? Like, he was pretty good against the Seahawks. That's that's another one. (laughs) They traded two fourth-round picks to get into the third round, and Shanahan's basically saying, like, yeah, he's just not good enough to beat out Elijah Mitchell, who is a sixth round pick. Like, okay, that's fine. I'm not saying that's Elijah Mitchell is the best running back on the team, but why are you investing a third round pick in a position where you're having success with a guy in the sixth round? Right. When and, there's and, holes elsewhere on the roster. Yeah. And, and then the part just sidebar, the part about how Elijah Mitchell is healthy and Jeff Wilson jr is healthy. And so that pushes Trey Sermon to be a healthy scratch even though Jeff Wilson Jr. played zero snaps and Elijah Mitchell was not healthy, he has a rib injury. I think Kyle Shanahan also has a big blind spot for injuries and how to how to handle injured guys. And it's either him or the performance staff. I mean, I don't know what it is, but you know, people talk about, oh, like there's a hundred percent injury rate in football and guys get hurt all the time. You guys shouldn't keep dwelling on it. What I dwell on with the 49ers injuries is the fact that when they quote unquote manage guys who are injured, they always get worse, right? Mm -hmm. George Kittle had a calf injury. It happened in week one against Detroit. He played through it. Kyle Shanahan said, well, we're going to manage it. It got worse during the week of practice. George Kittle had to go on IR. Trent Mm -hmm. Williams in the Arizona game, the first Arizona game before the bye sprained his ankle. The 49ers have a practice, a bonus practice the Monday after the bye. Trent Williams aggravates his ankle injury, has to miss the next week, right? Like they, Javon Kinlaw had offseason knee surgery, at least one. Kyle Shanahan, I I asked Kyle Shanahan because he mentioned procedures, plural, in a press conference a few weeks ago. And I asked Kyle Shanahan if he had more than one surgery. And he said, I don't know. I'm not sure. Kyle Shanahan knows. And Javon Kinlaw had multiple setbacks during the offseason. They tried playing him in training camp and obviously during the regular season, and now he needs reconstructive ACL surgery. They did the same thing with Jarek McKinnon coming back from an ACL tear. He tried to come back too early and then had to miss an entire second season. Jalen Hurd came back from an ACL tear over the summer. They managed it poorly, and now he's probably not going to play this season because of a knee injury. Like, we see ACL guys come back and then play. Like, that happens elsewhere like it's not crazy nick for bosa. guys yeah nick bosa and Who not everybody did not nick spend bosa. any time at the facility <laughs> yeah. nick bosa did all of his rehab and training on his own like that to me is extremely notable right and so we see guys throughout the nfl tear acls come back and then it's not a problem anymore but the 49ers have had multiple guys now come back particularly from acl injuries and other issues like calf issues when you're talking about george kittle They've come back too soon and they've gotten worse and now they have to miss more games. So you can miss me if you're on Twitter and you're like, there's always, there's a hundred percent injury rate and football is a football is a physical game. And these, these guys are trying to win games. You're not doing your team any good. If you're bringing guys back too soon and they have to miss the entire season, as opposed to saying, Hey, let's give this another month and then see if you can go. Because if you're bringing them back too soon, you're risking guys careers ultimately. Right. There's, and so right. the, the like the injury stuff in 2020 was like, man, these the, this is like really bad luck, all that, blah, blah, blah. It's like they keep bringing guys back that keep re-aggravating 
or just aggravating if you don't want to be redundant, <laughs> aggravating their injuries, which you include Jimmy Garoppolo in, by the way, his ankle issue yeah. last year. You could make an, a very compelling argument that he came back too soon from that game if you remember what happened against the Dolphins. For whatever reason, this training staff brings guys back too early and then they aggravate their injuries and they're, they're worse off for it. And that's a, that's a trend that you can go back the last couple of years and say this is unequivocally true that this trend exists. And there's there's a difference between playing through bumps and bruises and playing through okay, bruised ribs, you know, you can wrap it in a flak jacket and call it good or whatever. Right. There's a difference between that and hey, this is a calf strain that is actively going to get worse the more you, you do it. Like I think a perfect indicator of this was the I think it was Adam Schefter report before the game on Sunday that the Niners were going to play George Kittle on a pitch count and cross their fingers and then play Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell and just see how it went. Right. That's nuts. If you don't have full confidence that that player is going to get through the game on, on the injury, like, you know, you could get hurt on any play. I get that. But if you don't have full confidence, like, Hey, we've managed Debo Samuel's injury and we're going to put him out there and we'll see if it acts up. Like, no, you should have pretty, be pretty sure, like, okay, this calf is good to go. That's not going to be a problem. Right. That's just not, it's becoming less and less of a coincidence. They, they're just managed poorly. Every single guy who gets hurt doesn't come back healthy. He comes back too soon and aggravates his injury and then has to miss more time. Yeah. And look, and then, like, I, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not like a, a physiotherapist. I'm not, you know, anything like that. But like I cover the team and I can see trends. And like there are other teams who deal with injured players and then bring them back and then they don't get re-injured with the same right. injury. Mm-hmm. Right. That happens with quality performance staffs. And I don't know how you could look at the job Ben Peterson is doing, the head of human performance who they brought in and say, yeah, kick ass crushing it doing doing great you know like i understand wanting to what they did was correct in the sense that there was a disconnect between the performance staff and the medical staff before he was hired and they basically hired him to create a a player performance staff that melds everything together but right now it's not effective and I don't see any argument to the contrary. And I think Kyle Shanahan, unless he decides to make a change after the season, I'm going to continue to assume that he has a blind eye to it because it goes back to the evaluation of Javon Kinlaw and the fact that he was flagged by multiple teams for having a degenerative knee, knee issue. It goes back to the idea that, yeah, we can count on Jason Verrett as our number one corner. The quote that you said, I had a lot of confidence in Jason Verrett. Like, How? Right. Like if Jason Verrett is one of your three best corners and you have two other guys you feel good about starting fine. If he's your number one corner and then if he goes down, you have to rely on Drake Kirkpatrick and sign Josh Norman before the season starts without even getting a training camp. And you don't have enough trust in your rookies that you invested third and fifth round draft picks in. Then that's a problem of your own creation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so that's that's the issue with with Kyle Shanahan right now, in my opinion, is the fact that he's unwilling to play rookies. And for whatever reason, he's very willing to take big risks on guys with injuries. And they always bring their injury. They know, they don't they often mismanage their guys coming off of injuries. And 
this is why again i want to i want to circle back to the start here when i said i'm not in the fire kyle shanahan camp but i'm very much in the there's a lot of stuff the 49ers need to figure out this offseason camp there's the injury stuff we just talked about there's the the draft picks and the way they value those picks and their confidence in those picks like there's a lot and this is this is a big offseason for Kyle Shanahan because i think that inward reflection and how they go about managing their roster how he goes about managing his roster is going to determine whether he ultimately goes down as a good head coach or not. Yeah. That and Trey Lance. <laughs> Cuz if we, Trey Lance is good, then, you know, a lot of a lot of this stuff kind of gets gets swept under the rug, but aside from that, it's becoming clear now with the injury excuse off the table. Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing. Uh yeah. Debo Samuel's been playing. Brandon Ayuk's been playing. They Elijah Mitchell for the most part has been playing. Like they they've they've been relatively healthy. And if they go six and eleven this year, which that kind of seems like the track they're on, they go six and eleven this year, and the head coach goes into the offseason thinking that everything's gonna be fine if they change the quarterback who he won't put on the field. Um <laughs> I, I think that there's a that his his time in Santa Clara might be might be short. Yeah, ultimately, I think the earliest he could get fired. I think I said this in the last pod is after after next season, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be super a lot would surprise. Need to go wrong. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and then having Trey Lance as a starter, and then Trey Lance just not showing signs of right, just being, being bad, outright bad. Yeah, Trey Lance not showing signs of being a possible franchise quarterback, which is really the whole argument from my standpoint, like kickstart his development now. So when you get to that point, maybe you're more competitive next year when you do end up moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And the other crazy thing is like hearing on the broadcast, Kyle Shanahan tell these, these guys in their pre-production meetings that like maybe Jimmy Garoppolo holds on to the job next year too. And like, I can't believe that here's, here's, here's the best. Here's the best. (laughs) And I, I, the Jordan loves start against the chiefs, understanding that the situations are not the same, but, but I'm not advocating that the Packers should have moved on from Aaron Rodgers the minute they drafted Jordan love, but Jordan love hasn't played a ton of football in the last year and a half. And he looked like a quarterback making his very first NFL start against the chiefs. And I think the 49ers, unless Trey Lance gets four, five, six starts in at the end of this season, I think they run the risk of going into next year with Trey Lance looking very much like a rookie <laughs> making yeah. his second NFL start in week one and <clears throat> having to go through the growing pains next year where all of a sudden they've burned another season because they're developing a quarterback who could have been developing this year. Right. And that's uh, I, I'm again, I'm projecting based on the idea that that Lance wouldn't start it all this year. And I think he's going to because the Niners are going to be out of it pretty quick, I think. But I think so. too. Maybe they turn it around and maybe they beat the the Rams and then beat the Jags and all of a sudden all is right in Santa Clara. But 
it's not trending that direction. Yeah. One thing which I did want to bring up, Mike Silver used to write for NFL Network or used to work for NFL Network and now writes for Bally Sports, wrote a column saying that coaches had said they thought Trey Lance got worse since the beginning of training camp and that he regressed a little bit. And that's something that I've heard too, not reliably enough to necessarily report, but it goes like, so Trey, Trey Lance came out really hot to start training camp. Right. And all Mm -hmm. the discussion was, wow, Trey Lance is making all these plays. Trey Lance improved so dramatically from, uh, from OTAs to now Trey Lance is pushing Jimmy Garoppolo for the starting job. And then Kyle Shanahan started to settle into the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starter sort of no matter what. Mm -hmm. Trey Lance started playing behind a horrendous second team offensive line and was getting sacked four or five times each practice, which some of it's on him, right? Mm -hmm. But like he wasn't playing, he was playing behind a very bad offensive line and clearly the 49ers defensive line, the second string, has rotational players like has guys that are playing right now right. like Contavious Street and um, you know that whole group and then Trey Lance regresses largely because he's not getting practice reps like the 49ers mm-hmm. have not been in a position at all with the exception of the game Lance started in Arizona to where Lance is getting significant reps at practice during the week and so it would make sense why Trey Lance is regressing. He's not getting reps. Yeah. So you're losing trust in your quarterback who you took reps away from. And now when you do need to go to him, he's not going to have any body of work to, to lean on and give him confidence when he does have to play. So yeah, like Trey Lance didn't look ready in that start against Arizona. And to me, that's not a reflection of Trey Lance as much as, as it is a reflection of Kyle Shanahan and his mishandling of this whole process. Because mm-hmm. I get you want to win games and you need your starting quarterback to get all those practice reps. But like you're neither winning games nor developing Trey Lance and you have to do one of those two things this year. Yes. And I- given what we know about Kyle Shanahan and how he dealt with Robert Griffin III, you could win games and develop Trey Lance. <laughs> you you well, could have you could have been there. And but there and was I, this insistence on Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's another thing that I understand as, as a football coach, you're trying to win every single game. And you're gonna do what it what you think it takes to win every single game. But also I feel like there's part of you that has to be able to like zoom out. And his job is secure. The Niners could lose out and Kyle Shanahan is going to be the head coach next year. Right. Like that's happening. They could lose out and not score again for the rest of the year. And he's going to be the head coach. That's uh, happening. I don't know about that. <laughs> you think they can go scoreless for 11 games or whatever's left? All right. Maybe. Okay. That might Nine be games. Nine games. Sorry. All realistic possibilities point to Kyle Shanahan being the head coach next year. Correct. And I think, at some point he has to zoom out and look at the, his team now and his team in the next two or three years and understand that maybe losing a couple extra games down the stretch is 
worth it, A, to find out, hey, maybe Ambry Thomas just isn't an NFL player. And maybe a Diamador Lenore just isn't an NFL player. And same thing with Aaron Banks. But wouldn't you want to figure that out now instead of next year where, again, you're you're burning another season? Like, it just doesn't... It doesn't, like, logically track. And I'm not a... We are neither doctors nor NFL head coaches, just in case anybody didn't know. But that just seems like something that you would want to that that you would want to fix, and you would want to start preparing for next year, knowing what they're like realistically what they're looking at. Yeah, they're a game out of a playoff spot, and they have games left against the Seahawks, Falcons, and Vikings, who are all in front of them. I get that, but two games left against the Rams, a road game against the Bengals road game on a Thursday night against the Titans. I mean, be real. Yeah. It just, and this started, this has been the conversation about the quarterback the whole season, but now we're looking at it. And now it's a conversation about the entire 2021 draft class. Well, and it's, you know, it's, it's rare. It's never real. Well, this is an unprecedented situation team being so closely removed from the Super Bowl and drafting a quarterback that high. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically having two quarterbacks just doesn't work right like yeah. that's 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 a trope in the nfl for well, a reason yeah. right like if you don't have if you if you have two you don't have one like that's that's always the same and another one is that it's very hard to be a head coach with personnel control and now yeah, we're ex- now extremely we're, now we're seeing why right and mm-hmm. like we've you know, we've always sort of wondered. It was like Kyle. I mean, Kyle Shanahan got a ton of equity for the 2019 season. Yeah, and rightfully so. But also, like he hasn't maintained that equity through the way he's managed the roster this year and the decisions they've made. Because, I mean, you trade away your your issue is durability after you trade away your most durable player into Forrest Buckner, mm-hmm. who like who was this generation's Bryant Young, in my opinion. And right, they, they just moved, they they traded that guy away. They basically, you know, they wanted Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward and all that. I I still think they could have made Jimmy Ward and you know other guys sure. work. You could have traded Eric Armstead for whatever draft pick, but like to me, I think that that was the mistake that really got everything rolling now. And mm-hmm. now you have Fred Warner on a big contract. You have Eric Armstead on a big contract. You have George Kittle on a big contract. You have Trent Williams on a big contract. You have Jimmy Garoppolo on a big contract. All while the cap is coming down and you need to replace the margins of your roster with draft picks, but you're unwilling to because you don't trust young guys. And then you bring in street free agents who stink. And the reason why they're street free agents is because they stink. And now right. the 49ers are playing players that stink and they're losing games. I think too, there needs to be an organizational philosophy shift on cornerback in general. Yeah. yeah. It just, sure. in the modern NFL, you can't just go, yeah, we'll figure it out at corner. Like that just, that can't happen. But all right, we I have a piece. feeling this will continue to be a conversation. <laughs> this will continue. Yeah, we'll have our game preview coming out. Jordan Friday. Rodrigue. Yeah, Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic, a terrific writer down there for the Rams, is going to join us for our Friday podcast. Awesome. Good guest yeah. this week. Yeah, really good guest this week. 
Shout out to me. I did a great job. So subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your pods. We really appreciate you guys. Tell all your friends and we will see you on Friday. Talk to you on Friday. We're not going to see you. This is an audio medium. We'll talk at you on Friday. Tell you.